0: So today I thought we'd share a little bit and I was just reflecting on uh, what it means to be a Christian and I thought I'd focus on our being a giving people in a selfish world. That we are a giving people in a selfish world. John 3.16 says for God so loved the world he loved the world so much he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That word begotten really means, uh, it's uh, one of the Greek words for it is technon. And it means um, a born son, but it also means a beloved son. It means the heir. It means the chosen uh, uh, son, set apart son, a distinguished from others. And so Jesus is distinguished from us. We are sons of God, but we are adopted sons. We are made, created sons. He was from the beginning with the Father. So he is the perfect image, the Bible says. He is the express image of the invisible God. And so knowing that, we know that Jesus is the example, being the elder brother, he is the example that we are to follow. And if if God so loved the world that he gave his son in exchange for us, how much does he love us? His beloved son, his close son, his dear son was given as a ransom for our lives and so there is a great love there that uh, we were created in and we were redeemed in love everything that God has done uh, toward humanity has been in love it's not been to get even with anybody it has not been even though we violated God's law his purpose is to demonstrate his love because he knows how much we need it He knows how much love affects us the right way, how nurturing it is to us, how um, (coughs) we can't... (coughs) Live without, uh, human compassion and love. Uh, you know, those of us who are, are born into families, uh, there is a, a, syndrome they call failure to thrive in, in infants. Where if they are not touched and held enough, uh, then they won't, they'll, they'll cease to wanna, they'll, they won't be interested. In eating and they'll eventually perish I know when I was a nursing student that was the the main thing that they would have us do we worked, you know had our rotation through um, the nursery Uh, you all your spare time was spent there holding babies pick them up if they're awake you will pick them up you walk with them or well they didn't let you walk much because they you know insurance purposes (laughs) if you drop somebody's baby you're in trouble but, you know, they had the wheels on the little bassinets and you'd wheel them and you'd pick the baby up and, and um, sit down with the baby and, and hold the baby, you know, and, and show the baby affection. They had a um, an area in the nursery where they would have children who, um, say if they had brain deformities or something like that, or um, and they weren't expected to live. And if parents... You know, would, would just give the child up because they didn't want to get attached, take, you know, whatever, I don't know. But, you know, that was something that was offered to the parent to do, you know, if the the baby didn't respond and all of that. And I can remember uh, women nurses, and it was voluntary if you went back there, you know, to care for them. And I can remember nurses that would gladly go and feed them, change them, do everything as though they were going to live, you know. And it it was always the Catholic girls, I'll put it to you that way, because they... They had a <clears throat> respect for life because they knew God. You know, they were taught those things. And so uh, they would care for the babies. And, and, you know, they would live a long time, some of them. You know, it was remarkable how much they would live with, uh, they would call them anencephalic, which means they had no brain or no brain stem, something like that, where they uh, their eating was even a miracle, you know. So, and and, but that was what's, what was important for them it was important for the caregivers to be able to show love and to be able to touch you know just I know they would just it would bug them if they would think that baby was back there and couldn't get food or anything like that and so it was just one of those things that you saw love reaching out to touch and how important the love touch is to all human beings it's important to everybody and so God so loved us he gave us exactly what we needed exactly what's missing uh, from lost humanity is the love of God and that he loved us to the point that we should not perish but have everlasting life so he loved us to life amen he loved us to life eternal life and so God allows us <clears throat> to have his resurrection life and power Dwelling in us, and then he allows us to give that life to others, impart that life to others by the Spirit of God and through his word and through uh, uh, sharing Christ our life force we share our life force with others uh, through the spirit of giving and so that same spirit of giving that moved God to give his son and to uh, offer up his son uh, for the redemption and the ransom of humanity that same spirit of giving dwells in all believers so we are a giving people but we live in a fearful and a selfish world and so how do we function as givers in a selfish world and how can we demonstrate this same love of God without fail without stopping without being hindered uh, by the the uh, general spirit that's loose in the world And so we have a giving seed inside of us. We have the seed of of the giving of God. And that seed grows depending upon how we respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Everything the Holy Spirit will prompt you to do is giving. I mean there is a giving element in everything that he prompts us to do and so if we will give and respond to that giving spirit and that element that that is there to help us to give if we will do that that spirit of giving will grow in us and it will cause us to flourish and it will cause others to flourish as well when we stop giving we stop living we live we live to give we are human sacrifices we are uh people who are are offered up as paul said he he said toward the end of his life he says uh, my life is poured out as a drink offering you know and and it's just spilled out totally i don't have control over my life i i can't stop the flow of my life outside of me uh because i am an offering to the world and we are an offering to the world as well uh we don't look like the rest of the world does we don't function like they do we don't appreciate the same things we're spilled out people Uh, we're wasted people we're drunk no (laughs) we're spilled out (laughs) so to speak uh onto humanity and many times it looks like a waste, it looks like um, we're doing the wrong thing. It looks like we need to be more careful about how we give our money, how we spend our money, how we spend our time, what do we do with our Saturday you know that 's always the big deal for people who you know use it to to just sit around the house or do nothing if you decide to spend your Saturday doing something productive for God. You know, that's a challenge to them. See, your faith to go and do what God wants you to do, it, it passes judgment on their unbelief. And people can't handle it. So that's part of the reaction of the world, the spirit of the world, to the spirit of giving. Is that they want to stop it. They want to impede it. They want to hinder it. Because it's something that causes them to feel... Question To question their lifestyle and question what they do. Question if their values are right. Whenever you you move in that spirit. Whenever you go forward in the spirit of giving. It's going to cause a reaction and a stir somewhere. I'm just going to tell you it's not the norm as far as the normal atmosphere on this earth is concerned. Giving uh, contradicts everything that people believe in releasing from your life contradicts everything that your carnal neighbor believes in or your religious Christian friend believes in or anybody else who's not uh, uh, familiar with that spirit not in the spirit of giving uh, it contradicts everything uh, that they they believe in that they hold dear The more you give, the more confused the non-giver gets. They don't understand why you would uh, well well, you could use that why don't you save it well how do you know you won't need it later and so forth and so on people will question uh, oftentimes they'll question your motives when you're a giver if they think that you're doing it just to be seen or they think that you're doing it uh, to impress people or manipulate people There people get all kinds of why because it's foreign to this atmosphere this earth atmosphere that we live in. Event. Love gives, it does not take. <clears throat> love waits patiently for its resources and its supply. So, love does not take, it gives, but love also receives. There's a difference between receiving and taking, there's grace to receive. There's not grace to take me God will grace you to be able to receive I know a lot of times people have a hard time receiving you know if you do something kind for them or something like that and you know they just are adamant about why well, you know I don't want anybody giving me anything And what does it look like for me to receive something but there is a grace to receive once it's offered to you you know it's offered to you uh, you should you know look for the spirit of God to move you uh, to be able to receive what's given to you and to receive it with gladness and with thanksgiving and, and uh, you know encouraging the person who is giving I think giving is something that needs to be encouraged in the earth because it's so fought against down here uh, because the world is stingy even the people in the world that give are stingy because they have a limit on what they will give <laughs> and so we have to remember that that the world has a limit the people of God don't. The people of God don't have a limit to what they will give. They just see giving as a normal extension of the love of God that's been bestowed upon them. Many times believers are looking for ways to sow and looking for ways to give. I know the highest gift you can give is where you expect nothing in return that's the highest return where you can you can receive from god uh you give to somebody who uh has no job or has no ability to repay you uh that really is the highest form of giving i was watching uh, um this gentleman, uh, I forget where he is. He's a multi-millionaire. Every year he gives away $100 bills to people around Christmas time. And uh, this time, though, he decided to give it to the police force to give to people. And See, that, that takes it to a whole different level when you get other people involved in it he likes to give anonymously but but I know people who live in the town where he usually gives kind of expect it but they weren't expecting it to come through law enforcement so the police were uh had their lights on and following people in their cars and they they said they said well we'll follow a car that looks kind of beat up and looks like you know you know, it like people have a need. You know, you don't give it to a, a Mercedes or an Escalade, you know what I'm saying? They ain't gonna even roll their windows down. <laughs> Stick their lawyer's card out the window. And <clears throat> so not receive no not grace to receive them. But anyway, but time after time after time the people just cried and burst out into tears one woman she her attitude was bad when she, he said how are you doing today ma'am that's well, fine till you stop me <laughs> yeah. and then he gave her the hundred dollar bill and told her what it was for and she just cried she said she said I wasn't going to be able to get my kids anything for Christmas he I said I, I was just thinking about it she said I do not have anything to give them and so these things that are put on people's hearts to do are done by God it's the spirit of giving that continually gives you know if this man did it once and quit uh it's not God but God would would always replenish when God finds somebody who's willing to cooperate with him like this he will always multiply that seed that you sow so look at what you give as a seed sown Look at what you give as uh, um, an opportunity to encourage somebody, an opportunity not just to give toys where there weren't toys, but what it does to a person's heart. When something is given to them, uh, they want to give. I can remember times when we were children, and, and, you know, my parents didn't have money for one thing or another. We didn't have much for Christmas or anything. And I remember the times when, when God would come through and somebody would bless us. Well, kids don't care where it comes from. They just want what they want, and they remember those things and and, and because their minds aren 't hindered with ego and pride, and uh, i shouldn 't be taking this, and i 've got my own money, and you know nobody 's going to take care of my family, but me that kind of nonsense because anybody can have difficult times you know they come to everybody and so when when difficult times come though uh, we have an advocate we have uh, god the father who comes to bat for us and he will provide for us especially his children and then he expects his children to show appreciation when others have done that to them so i always rem- remember those things i don't I, for years i resented it and as i got older i got to be an adult and i said well you know what I I can do that for somebody. And I would say I'd love to get to the day you know get to the point where I know I can do something like that for somebody else. And and so once I became a believer, it got very easy for me to give. Very easy for me to give. I always liked giving even when I was a kid. I you know I used to uh, my my sisters would would uh, you know try to tell me oh you think you you know who do you think you are you give stuff away we don't have enough to give to anybody you know the you know repeating the rhetoric but i made up my mind that i was going to give anyway because it was in my heart to give. When it's in your heart to do it, you'll do it in spite of criticism, you'll do it in spite of what other people say. You'll it because it becomes something that becomes such a part of you to take that out would mean to destroy you in some way. You know, to not allow you to be able to give would cause you uh some type of inner turmoil that's that's you know stress in your your spirit that kind of thing and so when we think about giving we think about the warfare that it takes to be a consistent giver Mm -hmm. the other thing that will happen you'll find is when you give the enemy will start to bug you about it he'll start to uh try and interfere with your finances Try to dry up your source of income. Try to do things like that to put that in jeopardy, so that you don't feel comfortable giving. If you're stressed while you're giving, or you're not comfortable giving, uh, then you miss part of the reward. There's a reward or satisfaction that comes when you're able to give, even when the enemy fights you to do it. You know, there's sometimes you'll you'll give. To, in unique and unusual ways to people. And the enemy will say, Well, what did you do that for? They're going to think you, blah, 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 you know, just, uh, you know, anything goofy to throw in there so that people can, uh, he can keep you from getting that seed out there because the enemy knows that once you sow that seed, more is coming to you so you can do the same thing over and over and over again. God loves a cheerful giver, he also loves a consistent giver. He loves people. People who give as a purpose in their hearts. Because that's where he speaks to us from. And so when we purpose in our hearts to do certain things and we follow through on it. Then we complete that cycle of giving. We complete that um, uh, a spiritual side of giving. And there's a side where God will prompt you in your heart <clears throat> to do something. And when you agree with that and you step out in faith in it, there's a uh, a faith principle that gets established in your life that increases the more that you step into it. So the enemy would have you be um, hesitant, fearful, pick up the world's attitude about it, so that it's not done in faith it's a good thing that when you first think of doing something don't let your mind go back and forth about it you know don't play that ping pong game in your brain but step out on first faith and let yourself ride on the faith of God in that thing and God's purpose will get established in it your reward will come back the right way but if you're constantly picking at it and doubting it and telling yourself maybe it's not the right thing to do, you diminish the, the impetus, the faith aspect of it. See what I'm saying? What you start doing is you take start taking bites out of it so that your return comes back a little choppy. See? Right. If you... Immediately obey God, do it on first faith and ride in on that, you know, Oh yeah, I gotta do that and, and, and get up and do it. And then that way you're you don't give the devil a chance to diminish it through unbelief doubt whatever else you want to try and sow into it and then when you look for your return you're not sure you know what i'm saying the same thing comes back on the return side of it and you never get in a real flow of giving and receiving the way god wants us to do Uh, the bible says something like cast your bread upon the waters and it's like it's a smooth thing that goes out flows out from you and then it flows back into your life in in the right season and so we want to always be people who are determined to give see if we're determined to do it then we'll get it done it's like i i always have christmas gifts at at my front door for whoever comes to the house i don't care who it is delivery person (laughs) some (laughs) delivery person get two or three i said did i hit you already this year yeah you hit me i said hit you again Yeah. Whatever, you know, it's all good. And so I, I deliberately have it there. And then if they come to the back door, I got to run to the front door. If I left it at the front door and run to the back door, I say, "Oh, wait a minute, gotcha, I gotcha, gotcha." You know that kind of stuff. And usually, I'll just get like maybe some boxes of candy or something easy to give. I learned how not to, you know, make it complicated. But I'm, I do that on purpose i i make myself remember i compel myself to remember to do those things to sow those seeds because if i don't want the the drawback and looking at look at those gifts i got sitting sitting there and i keep forgetting to give them. you understand what i'm saying i don't want that hangover from from you know and, and uh, it's still there and i never sent it and uh, you know don't do that with with your resources you you must be prompt because the spirit of giving isn't going to just kind of linger around you and keep knocking on your head you know and and Pushing you and making you. That's not God. Um, God. uh, He treats us like mature individuals. You know. He gives us an assignment. He gives us uh, the uh, ability to do it. He gives us the means. All of that. The motivation. Everything's right there in one big package for us. So it's nothing to wrestle about. You just ride in on it. And and obey God. and, and, uh, and, And do what he wants you to do. But the spirit of giving. Is a a spirit that is fought over. It it has great opposition to it. So you need to understand that. We as a people look for opportunities to give. As believers don't we? We look at birthdays. We don't forget those holidays. Celebrations. Weddings. So we look for things and occasions to give. Even the poor among us desire to give. There's nobody... With God's spirit dwelling in them who does not desire to give, those who have little desire to share what they have, because the Spirit of God moves all believers to give. There's nobody who is not moved to to give. I see people now on Facebook posting stupid stuff about, you know, focused on giving, well, come on and buying stuff. Come on now, who isn't? How are you gonna give a gift if you don't go buy one? You know, it's you gotta focus on it. I don't want you sending me something you didn't know what you were doing. Come on now, we sending no braille gifts to nobody. Here <laughs> you go. Know, that ain't my color, that ain't my size, that ain't me, you know. Don't don't go there. You know, you spend time, you spend effort, you spend energy, you spend money. If <laughs> you can get it wholesale, get it wholesale. But you know, get get something that uh, that is nice, you know, get get what you want. I made up my mind years ago after my husband passed away, I would get me a gift from him. And that guy's got more generous. I'm telling you, wow, that blows me away. I say, thank you so much right yeah right so easy but i I just. I, I did that and you know what that keeps you from being uh bitter about giving you know what I'm saying you 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 treat yourself and you say you know what I'm going to but I'm not talking about every day you got you know what I'm saying this is crazy stuff but you know th- these are holidays these are days where that person would have bought you something but they're not here anymore so you remember them you know this is here's to you <laughs> Bling. You know. (laughs) There it goes. Bling again. (laughs) Bling, bling. (laughs) Look what I bought. Look what I got. (laughs) All the insurance is cheap this year. You know, uh, whatever. The enemy of giving is fear. Giving has an enemy. People who fear lack poverty whatever uh, will see giving as an enemy fear tends to bottle up a person's resolve to obey the spirit of giving fear of lack if i give this away what am i going to do just in case blah 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 happens you'll never know if you don't give it you'll never know if you don't give it if you give it unto the lord we know we will never lack we know that and so once we understand that we know that God will come through for us he'll go to bat for us he'll undertake for us we'll have our bills paid we'll have more than enough we'll have all that stuff I, I deposited some money a while back in a savings account it's an overdraft security for for my checking and it stayed at the same amount for years I mean it, it's probably been there maybe about five years or so you know and it stayed at that level for years and I noticed recently it kind of diminishes and i kept thinking about it. i said got to keep using that money and then god finally showed me he said uh that's what your statement is for for you to i've been lax in my statement i just it just seems like it takes so long to go through all of those things i said one day i I'll, I'll probably get somebody to help me maybe get chanel or somebody who's real good with numbers and can catch it all up for me and do that but um it just got real tedious and i quit doing it but i noticed that there were certain times of the month that I would run short of money before another check was deposited, and that 's where it was drawn that 's why it wasn 't that I was using the money it 's just I was using it at a certain time, and then at the end of the month, it was more money in the checking so um, but I say that to say this: that God is faithful and and sometimes the enemy will bug you about stuff oh look you're giving and every time every time you get your statement look that's you're using your savings now and I didn't realize that it was a timing thing it's not a use thing and so there's always little tricks that the enemy will try to pull on us to get us to pull back from our giving see and get us to not do what God wants to do I don't check every time before I do something how much money I have left. I give by faith. Hmm? You, you know there's a difference. Because if, if I do it checking I'm doing it by sight. I like to be moved by the spirit of God. Now I'm not saying I don't have a rough idea of of what I'm doing. But I don't look at For penny, you know, penny for penny, what I'm doing, do I have enough exactly to do? I try to stay ahead of myself by giving first and then believing that the return will come. You know, in in some form, it'll show up there because God is faithful. And so uh, it's a good thing to get these things straightened out inside of you how you want to do these things and how you want to set yourself up as a giver and and how you can fight this poverty and fight the fear and fight all of these atmospheric pressures that we have against giving but it is a spirit that is fought very much Um, when people when you witness that is a form of giving Uh, when you share Christ with somebody that's a form of giving and you know how the enemy fights you on that one so that's the ultimate gift that we give and it's always fought fear is really a threat to one's person security safety health or goods when a person is in fear they will withhold giving fear causes us to shut down and close down so it's good that's why we usually have a little worship music, a little joy, a little mirth, a little merriment and then we take the offering. and <laughs> don't take a, what we call a dry offering here. You don't take no dry offering around here. We wet ours down with the <laughs> with the music, with the muzak. But uh it is best to create an atmosphere of joy, rejoicing, uh, an atmosphere where the spirit of God can move and touch people's hearts and and get them to understand how important it is for them to give uh, into what is is helping them into what they're receiving from. When you give uh, ministry wise, you complete a cycle that God uses to bless your life. Uh, you know, spiritual is sown into you and that that person that's sowing the spiritual is entitled to reap your carnal fruits the bible says think about it if you don't ever give them carnal fruits that they can reap off of they can be preaching to you and you won't receive anything See you don't have to receive what's sown and what's sown may not even get in your heart. And so we have to understand that you can't cheat that cycle. You can't and you'll find that people who are not givers eventually lose interest in quit coming, you know, and quit receiving, so forth and so on. And so it's important to keep in mind that there is a giving obligation. For us it's not just all free will all the time but there's an obligation that we have to give in certain areas. (coughs) Married people are obligated to give to their spouses and to their children. And so when you're in a family situation you have an obligation to give take care of those in your own household. And so when we look at that we must understand that you don't neglect family. And I'm talking about family you're responsible for. I'm not talking about the in-laws, the outlaws. Miscreants, malefactors, and ne'er-do-wells. there's a whole different breed, <laughs> a whole different breed of folks. but uh, you know, those who are dependent upon you, you know, you take care of those people first, and so and don't neglect that. And so that's where your first giving seed is sown in your immediate family. The other is the family of God. The Bible talks about taking care of the household of faith. So you have to have God's priorities uh, straightened out inside of you and know you can't despise your brother when they have a need you have to go to bat for that person and really stick with them through that need sometimes the greatest thing that you can give is yourself you know your uh company uh, to hold a hand if somebody is in a difficult situation or to um you know go and 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 see and see what What's going on uh, with an individual? Uh, I remember uh, Erica's husband passed away, and it it was like three in the morning, and uh, Aubrey was still uh, with us then, and and um, I was talking to her on the phone, and I got up, and he said, "You gonna go?" I said, "Yeah, you know, like." Huh? (laughs) You know, and little bit by little bit, God began to show him and get him to understand what my responsibilities were as a pastor. You know, you go. You you know her husband passed away she don't got another one we can't skip this one you know you'll get a do-over here and so it's it's extremely important when you do those things and and you know you don't pass it up you know have to call somebody else come on now they call you they want you and so when you understand that giving uh, of yourself in an unselfish manner when you know you, you would be more comfortable doing something else. See that's, that's um, sacrifice. God, God enjoys that. He, he will help you when you do those things. He'll help you when you do those things. So <clears throat> we must overcome the fear that's rampant in the world. And keep fear of lack and selfishness off of us. We fight that. We, we have to fight it. Sometimes the best way to fight it is through giving. Now when you give, you you overcome that right away. You know, say, it's, it's, it didn't get me that time. You won't get me again either. <coughs> when the world is out for self, the church gives even much more. When we see the world out for self... Like these, you know, reports of commercialized Christmas, you know, that kind of nonsense. That's your cue to give even more, to put the devil to shame, make him shut up, and you know, just watch me, devil, and and see what I do here, <laughs> or see what I do. Amen. The grace for giving abounds where selfishness and fear have a stronghold. So you overcome selfishness by giving even more for instance in situations where (coughs) selfishness and fear are rampant where people are looking to protect themselves An example would be this Ebola outbreak uh, That's in the world and, And you see who goes It's usually the Christians The Samaritans You know people like that They are always the first ones there Why? Because the spirit of giving Compels them to go fight the fear And the selfishness that's involved Everybody wants to protect themselves From it and that's kind of A natural thing to do But what about these people who are running to the battle What about these people who are jumping in the face of evil they're carrying something that these other people don't have and so the worst thing would be to let the fear and selfishness override everything and then you just leave people helpless Uh, God won't intervene unless he can find somebody who's willing to challenge that atmosphere of fear and selfishness and go in there and, uh, and do something to help Hurting and dying humanity. You notice drug companies don't usually have anybody they send, <laughs> do they? <laughs> they don't organize fleets of doctors, even though the doctors are their best customers. Um, why not? They could do it, but it's oftentimes people who are moved by the spirit of God. You know, the people that that. In fact, the first hospitals were always set up by um, um, religious orders always they were always uh, uh, set up in fact there was a um, uh, uh, law kind of not a statute like written down law but churches were uh, not churches but hospitals were known to have what they call charitable immunity because they were set up as as Samaritan type charitable organizations that did no harm that was their 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 um their goal they they do no harm and so if your intent is to do no harm and harm happens you didn't do it on purpose so nobody sued you it was rare that doctors and hospitals got sued and and when they would if somebody would bring a lawsuit they could claim charitable immunity. We our purpose was to do no harm here and so forth and so on. Because of the um type of services that they give now, abortion has changed that dramatically where the do no harm face of the the hospital has changed we see it as an enemy almost sometimes as you know a big uh, you know an enemy that devours people that come in and can easily turn on you and that wasn't true it wasn't true for for many many centuries and even when they didn't have modern stuff like they do now I mean the care was a lot worse back in the day you know you you had a whiskey and and bit a bullet and they operated, you know what I'm saying, with dirty utensils and you know that kind of stuff. And so, um, it's it's very very different now. And I think it's because the focus is is not to not do any harm anymore. They do a lot of harm, and and it's known that they do a lot of harm. So, <clears throat> a trend of selfishness or an outgrowth of it, of selfishness and fear, is the increase in homelessness. And lack of um, provision, poverty, all of this abounds because families are torn apart because of selfishness. Somebody decides they don't want to get along with everybody. And they move on that. And the family is torn apart. In these situations, the church is called to give reconciliation to torn apart parties. We are to teach families to abide together and obey God's laws for family harmony. So we give counsel. We give the spirit of peace. We give the spirit of reconciliation. We teach, we pray, we give. We give money to families that don't have enough to do everything they need to do to take care of themselves. There are organizations that are set up totally for that, Christian organizations, Salvation Army. uh, different churches that feed families and also share the gospel. So they, we are called to reconcile and put the homeless back into families, if we can. You know, if we can. It's not healthy for a person to live <clears throat> on the outskirts of society. You see a lot of mental illness among homeless people you need to give and sow into one another's hearts minds and spirits so that people can be healthy mm-hmm. some people can live alone you know they some people have enough resourcefulness about themselves to be able to be productive and and so forth but when you see a homeless person that's by themselves it's because there's something else pushing them away from individuals and so you know people who are givers are always touched by things like that because if you can infuse them give them a shot of encouragement or a shot of love or a shot of you know tell me about yourself that kind of thing uh, sometimes it will turn that person around giving overrides selfishness And makes provision for what selfishness and fear have taken away. So into a selfish situation a giver can impart something and make provision for what selfishness and fear have taken away. We talked about the Christmas holiday season and talking about commercialization of Christmas and all that kind of stuff. Well, just give anyway. And it will override the lack, selfishness, and fear. Many times people fear Christmas. They fear holidays because they have not so good memories about them. You know, they can't get over their past. They've kind of processed it in a way that's left it some unfinished business there. Some people don't like Christmas because they grew up not having much for Christmas and they don't think much about the holiday. Even when they become Christians, they don't think much about the holiday. And so those, those attitudes can be overcome by giving. Those people need to give anyway. Even though they say they don't believe in it and it's too commercial, they need to give anyway. Because they won't want to receive. They won't be a part of things if they don't. I know, you know, we do the Secret Santa so that everybody can get the experience of giving and receiving. And, you know, new people always want to get involved in everything, they don't like to be left out but then when it comes down to actually buying the gift and bringing it many times they are no show Because they don't want to follow through, they just want to be included, but they don't want to give. So they have an excuse. You know, I I wanted to give and I couldn't get there, or something like that, or come a month later with a gift that's poorly wrapped or something. You know, and you can see that the spirit isn't there. You know, they don't know how to respond to the spirit of giving and just roll with it. You know, you know, we all have situations, but we know how to get with the spirit and it helps us to be able to give so we're not just doing this on our own it doesn't take a special person just take somebody who wants to obey God even when uh the the uh, spirit seems wrong about it or excessive give anyway I would say this if you think Christmas is too commercial just give them money And bypass the, (laughs) bypass the vendor. You know, just wrap it up in in an envelope. That's that's even simpler. (laughs) A lot of times people want to buy a big gift with a little bit of money and try to fool somebody hey I go to dollar store too you know what I'm saying I know what that costs so come on now but you know if you want to just give me a dollar give me a dollar I don't care <laughs> divorce George <laughs> <laughs> the believer has a, a a mandate from God to give secretly and uh, but the world doesn't when the world gives they blow their horn pay it forward you know that's their slogan where is a way of saying I know I'm going to get something back or I know I have something so I'm going to give in advance of getting so they're always looking for the getting aspect of it the spirit of giving gives because it lives to give. It lives to give. God lives to give. We live to give. Romans 12.1 tells us to consider ourselves living sacrifices. Hmm? Holy and acceptable to God. See, we're, we're okay with God. We're a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. What that means is, don't ever doubt your motive when you're ready to give. As a believer, the spirit of giving is so strong and so overpowering any crazy flesh you might have. You know, um... I can remember somebody was, we had a speaker one time and, and this person wanted to give money to the speaker and they were chasing him down and all this kind of stuff and wanted to make sure they got it and knew who gave it to them you know. And um, later we explained to that person, you know, if you would just designate that on the envelope, you know, that we would, surely pass it on to that individual you know you can trust God all the way down the line to make sure that your wishes are carried through you know in in what's done and so uh, sometimes you do have to learn you do have to understand how God does things but I would would do things in secret I, I wouldn't want that person to know uh, we had difficulty with somebody that uh, guessed at a conference that wanted to give to the speaker. And, you know, we had endorsed the check and passed the money on to them. They wound up going to the bank and telling them we stole the money and all this kind of stuff. Wanting the money back. Well, that was never God to begin with. You know, that person was doing something to impress somebody when they found that that didn't get carried through. Then they wanted their money back. You see what I'm saying? And so we, you have to... Yeah, you know, I mean, people are just nutty. You know what I'm saying? They're, sometimes it's ignorance, and and they learn. But you know, sometimes people are just goofy like that. <coughs> so we um, we see giving as something that's expected of us. And we enjoy the expectation of it. Expectation is not grievous to us. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice. They are holy and acceptable to God. So all you're giving is acceptable to God. Because his spirit drives you to do that or motivates you to do that. And so it's never wrong to give when you're a believer. Unless you've got strings attached, you know, you're trying to manipulate people or something goofy like that. But pretty much, our giving is wholly and acceptable. Which means that God will give us our reward. The reward of a good conscience toward God is is a big thing. You know, where you can feel... I did what I was supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? You have a sense of, of gratification that you did what was normal, acceptable, expected, holy, and righteous. You followed through on what God gave you to do. We need to know that the spirit of giving will interrupt your life. It's totally normal for us to interrupt our schedule, put down what we're doing, bend over backwards to go to somebody's aid to hold a hand to give a drink of cold water whatever it is we are made to give it's good to contemplate your giving think about what you will do this year beyond what you've already done think about ways to amp up your giving Bump it up a little bit. Increase it over what you normally do. Think about unique ways to respond to the spirit of giving. And blesses God to see his children imitating him. Like... um and you sometimes you'll see little girls get dressed up like their moms, you know, and that kind of thing. And, and that's so gratifying, you know, to the parent to see what well, same way God likes to see his children imitating him. And so when we are imitators of God as dear children, close children, children that are beloved of God, children who uh, stay close to God and want to imitate him, that is a pleasing thing to God and, and we need to do more of it. Amen? Amen. Father we thank you for your word. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Thank you Lord for your word and for blessing us to know your word and to love your word. And, Lord, we appreciate that your spirit helps us to give. That is so important, Lord. We don't have to stress ourselves out. We don't have to do anything uh, uh, to hinder what what you want to do in this earth, but we can help what you want to do. We thank you and we bless you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, 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 and amen. So if anybody needs prayer, come on, get some prayer. Get some prayer. <laughs> One small child